I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Artemis. This is Jim Gentilly. Welcome to the podcast. I am with my usual partners in crime. A man who always keeps the true faith, even when it's Blue Monday, John Heinz. Oh, good reference. Our Thanks, own <laughs> obvious child, Peggy Bennett. Obvious child. From Desolation <laughs> Row, where she aches just like a woman, Shelley Cummings. And our guest this week, recently recovered from her 19th nervous breakdown, friend of the podcast, Beth Shannon. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hi, Jim. Jim. Quite All an right. intro. Nice job on the intro. No kidding. There you wow. go. Then let's plunge right into top of mind. Who would like to go first? I don't want to because I didn't think about it. I'm going to come up with something. So Can anybody else go. think about it? I'll go All first. Right, Tiger. Peggy. Um, and I, my top of mind is kind of boring, but we just had an uh, emergency broadcast from our governor to tell us all the horrible things that are happening starting Wednesday for the next three weeks. And what I find so fascinating about those kind of things is why does it start Wednesday and not right now? If it's so yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have yeah. stuff they, they have, have to, to prepare. <laughs> right, I know. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, 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 I love it. No, it's the same with the lockdowns. Like, the Don't lockdowns will start next week. Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> no, She's I'm not criticizing year. her. I love her. But, uh, they, and then somebody asked from the Detroit, hi, this is, um, this is Peggy from the Detroit Free Press. So when you say no spectators at college and professional football games, does that mean no parents? Like you've been having now, well, they don't and the count. guy and it and 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 she said, "I'm going to let so and so head That's of insane. health insane. department so and so answer that question." Go in the back and talk about how stupid you are for asking yeah, right there. And he says, "No spectators means no spectators." That was all he said. <laughs> wait, wait! I want to go top of mind next because mine relates to what Peggy just said. Okay, Can I go next. Go so, next. Peg, so I wanted to tell Peg. This was top of my mind. I want to tell Peg. Peg, you know, Gretchen Whitner is going to be the guest on the next episode of the Hillary Clinton podcast, the new podcast she has. That's pretty good. Oh no, I didn't know. That's and she's awesome. the guest for the next episode. She gave a teaser last time. Oh, so, nice. yeah, and with your and with it. your mentioning it, imagine the boost in Hillary's rating <laughs> oh, she's oh, going to get oh, it's from enormous. you mentioning on this podcast. <laughs> it's enormous. So Michelle yeah. Obama has you know, a podcast. Support each other. So all of the everybody the... in America has a podcast. <laughs> Clearly, we started a trend. <laughs> we, we did, and we got those people the Nobel the uh, Nobel Prize. Let's not forget that. That was all we I did. <laughs> Who would like to go next, Beth? Why, since you're the guest, what's on the okay. top of your mind? Well, mine is similar. I just one of the reasons I was late in logging in was that my friend Gina just called to say that they aren't coming for Thanksgiving because everything's getting you know, crazy again. I'm so and, sorry. No, I mean, we both know it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and we're bummed mean you're not sorry, bummed, we, yeah, yeah, we, you know, so it is, you know, that's definitely top of mind now of, you know, we're going to, it's going to be a bleak winter, I think. Where does Gina live? She lives in Rhode Island. And we so she and her about... family and the dogs are all going to come down for a week. So we were super excited. Uh, but... Well, you were going to make a turkey. We were going to make a turkey. Now we're going to make a turkey breast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. I'm going to Copper Canyon for Thanksgiving dinner. Copper That's Canyon, like every other a, day. My a, restaurant. Right, a, my restaurant. A neighborhood I'm restaurant. Get, since I can't be with my actual family, I'm going with my second family, which yeah, is Copper sure. Canyon. The I get staff it. at Copper Canyon. They love me. The bartender uh, loves you. They, all of them love me. Just goes to show they don't know me. Go ahead. Peg yes. has her hand up, though, Shell. Yes. i sorry, Peg. Why is your hand up? Oh, sorry. That to, was did before you need to go when to I wanted to know room? where. <laughs> Wait, I didn't hear what he just said. No, it's all right. You don't listen to the podcast anyway, so it doesn't matter. I don't. <laughs> that was a mistake. That was previously when I wanted to ask where um, Gail was from, but forget it. Gina. Gina was from. Gina, where was Not Gina Gail. from? From I don't know where, where Gail Gina? is from. Not sure who Gail is. Go ahead, Shelly. What's <laughs> on the top of your oh, mind? Oh, my top of mind was very similar to Beth's or Gina's. Or Gail. <laughs> Gail's. <laughs> uh, because my aunt called me today and my aunt and uncle aren't coming to my house for Thanksgiving. Um, he's not doing well health-wise. And she knows I prepare a lot of food. And so she just wanted to let me know that ahead of time. So it's just going to be my parents and me um, if my parents don't bail. But we shall see. So it's, yeah, as Beth said, it's going to be bleak. Intimate. Cozy. Yeah, something Seriously. like that. 
close and loving. At least <laughs> Beth has her two dogs. Um, Correct. I my top of mind, my top of mind is that this uh, episode of the podcast is released to the world on November twenty first, two thousand twenty, and that is exactly forty years to the day when you were born. Literally, the whole country tuned in on Friday night CBS to find out who shot Jr. Oh, God. Oh. I don't know if you guys remember that because you were God, younger. So sad. But I do. That was such a big thing, and of course, since the early '80s, with the introduction of home recording devices and cable television on a large scale, there are, except for probably the Super Bowl, there are no network broadcasts that get that kind of singular attention anymore. Love it. Anyway. Beth. So that's top of mind. I want to uh, segue into the main part of the episode by saying that we got one of us got a communique about the podcast, and I want to read some of it. Good morning, Shelley. I got a nice surprise. In search of an argument was one of my notifications today, so I listened. Still say you have a great voice. That's very flirtatious, by the way. <laughs> Your friends are interesting. I don't know if that is meant <laughs> ironically or not. Yeah, it could be taken <laughs> a lot I'd of different wish ways. you'd go on a rant or give a lecture or speech or something. Tell your friends one of the 10 listeners is a Shelley fan. More <laughs> of you. So, in response to that, 10 listeners, and especially you guy who obviously still has a crush on Shelly, whoever you are, we are going to do a very Shelly-centric episode. So Shelly Cummings, take it away. Okay. Thank you. This is hopefully going to be fun, controversial, and geeky at the same time. Just like the Trump administration. <laughs> so uh, as maybe the 10 listeners know, I'm a genetic counselor and love genetics and all of the weirdness that ensues with it. But I really like helping people. But today's episode, we're going to, I'm going to read through a few different genetic experiments, situations, conditions, things that are happening with people or animals. And John, Jim, Peggy, and Beth are going to weigh in as to whether they find that cool and explain why or creepy and explain why. Okay, everybody so have the gonna rules? Do, you're going to read one and then he asks us to comment and then read another one. Is that exactly. correct? Exactly. And then we'll have a okay. discussion after each one. So we probably won't get through all my 3,663-word Well, we'll just have many more future Shelly-centric yes. episodes that we can talk about. I, I say go for it. Okay. Let's turn this out. I'm excited. I love creepy. So I'm going to start with an easy one because we had a podcast on this previously, and it's on CRISPR, and it's very timely since the two women won the Nobel Prize for this. So just to refresh everyone's memory, in and November... Beth, you may not have listened to that episode and wasn't on that episode. That's fair, yes. <laughs> in, in November of 2018, a Chinese scientist reported that he had created the world's first babies genetically uh, with by editing their genes with CRISPR. It was a set of twins, and there's actually a third one who's now born. So what he actually did is he disabled a gene called CCR5 so that the girls would be resistant to potential infection with HIV and AIDS. And he justified this for two reasons. One, he felt like, um, it, you know, it would help with HIV and AIDS. The father of the girls had HIV and he wanted to ensure that his children would never suffer like he has. So that's number one. Number two, he said, you know, he was making a scientific case saying that, look, you can do this. HIV, AIDS is one. Maybe we can do this for other conditions that are affecting pandemic parts of the world. So I just want to refresh. So CRISPR is a tool that allows 
researchers to control which genes get expressed, and it can be used in plants, animals, and clearly now in humans. And what it does is it deletes undesirable traits, genes, and potentially you could add desirable traits and do this all much more quickly with more precision than we've ever been able to to do it before. And this doctor, uh, John, do you say it he, H-E? Huh. Huh. Okay. He got in a lot of trouble because it violated state laws, personal, and they felt he was pursuing fame and fortune. And he was he got in a lot of trouble over it because of unsafe, wh- what the consequences would be. But it's really unclear which laws he broke um, and if he should be punished. But, the, but they did do something to him, apparently. So my question to my dear friends is, you know, if we have rogue scientists tinkering quietly in a lab that can smash through our ethical norms or local laws and meddle with the human genome to, you know, to feed their own ego or to gain scientific uh, notoriety, you know, the worry is that many more dangerous applications of CRISPR could be in store. So I'm curious, what, is this cool? Is it creepy? What do you think? Well, can you clarify the question? Is is the is the fact that he did it cool or creepy, or is the ability to do it cool or creepy? You can I say answer it both ways. Answer exactly this situation is this cool or creepy? Think knowing how HIV and AIDS in certain parts of the country world, excuse me, don't have access to to uh, drugs, and then separate is the technology cool or creepy? I'm ready to answer. Go ahead, Peggy Sue. I think it's creepy. <laughs> uh-huh. I think thing. you're supposed to explain your answer, Peg. <laughs> oh, I just think it's creepy. Yeah, it's too weird radio. that we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's too weird that we can do all that. It's creepy. It's creeping me out. I mean, it's kind of cool, but it's creepy. What's cool Why about is it? It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's cool that somebody figured it out and is smart enough to figure that out. But it's kind of creepy. That there's that much ability to uh, manipulate things and change things. It feels not natural. So do you think so, it should only be used in plants and animals and not in humans? Or maybe not used at all. Maybe we should just do what we, what we have available to us without learning more. So these two women that discovered CRISPR, they discover it and then they put it in a shelf and, and don't use it for anything. Yeah, like maybe they shouldn't have discovered it. Maybe they should be focusing on something else. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Peggy, coming out hard for the like, okay, backward ass weird, <laughs> weird view of the world. Anti-intellectual. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, my like, God. Maybe they wow. should be so basically, Maybe they should have their Nobel Prize. Let's you're take their Nobel Prize away. they like Ted Kaczynski would tell about this. Maybe they should be just like at home cleaning and cooking. Oh, (laughs) shit. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next. So I think it's creepy as well. I remember when this case happened and it did raise tons of ethical questions for me and Unlike Peggy, I do think we should pursue new technologies and discoveries. Um, but I, I don't really feel comfortable with the experimenting on humans piece because it just leads me to think of all the worst case scenarios and, you know, where are they going to, the whole eugenetics and Nazi Germany deciding who was desirable and who wasn't. And so it raises all those questions. And then, you know, look at China with the birth rate of males versus females when you start trying to control these things. So I think we just don't have enough guidance and sort of world standards on this kind of research right now that I know of, you know, just as a person who reads the newspaper to do it. I think he should have gotten in a lot of trouble. That's what I. That's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I amend my former comments. That's perfect. <laughs> what Beth said. 
<laughs> okay, Jim I or John? I, I would say this. I think that the CRISPR technology is cool and we should use it in development. I would say that the specific application, what that Dr. Hu did, is not is not cool because he didn't follow the proper protocols. And I, I think that eventually we will use this on human beings, but it also, it should be done, you know, under certain protocols. And the 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 word, the keyword I think you mentioned, Shelley, is rogue. We don't want people going rogue. This is the kind of thing that has to be used with care and with thought and and not just some guy off on his own doing it because, you know, he's going to get a headline or make some money or something. Right. Yep. John. So I, I'm going to try to answer your question specifically the way you asked it, which is, is it cool or creepy for both the application on humans using CRISPR on humans? And I'd say for that, it's cool. I don't think it's cool yet. And I think that's what you guys are all saying, but I think it's cool. It's incredibly cool. I heard a what is her name? The 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 one of the Nobel Prize winners, Jennifer Doudna, or the co- she was interviewed by Kara Swisher on her new podcast. And I'm sorry, but you can't listen to this woman and not get excited about the possibilities of what's coming. I mean, what what it can do for humans, and and I mean, it is amazing. I mean, Peggy ALS goodbye, Parkinson's goodbye, dementia goodbye, cystic fibrosis, sickle cell anemia. I mean, heart disease. I mean, I'm sorry. Go this is go 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 research research research. Do this go fast and hard. And I'm not sure, but obviously I I'm with Jim with his like legalistic you know, procedural protocols stuff as a way to kind of, uh, kind of tamp down irresponsible or unethical use. But the, the research is freaking so cool. Insanely cool. Such like a nice thing you cool. said to agree with me, John, you said it in such warm and compelling way. Yeah, to make I, know. It sound. I know, I know. That's what I always do. Jim. I can't get your head bigger. <laughs> really than had is. To choke, you really had to choke down the fact that you were agreeing with me. Agreeing there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. So this one is for fluff. So there's some researchers that say <laughs> that people fluff that have on this broadcast, I only <laughs> yeah. didn't know that fluff was being a participant <laughs> yes. this episode, Shelley. So there's some research that says people that have red hair and two of the five, I don't know what color Beth's hair is on this podcast have red that hair. hair. Is in fact red. It is. Yes. <laughs> oh, so three. Wow. That okay. is a wild coincidence now yes. that you're saying it. We have so, do we not have best picture have for the episode? We need best picture for the episode. So uh, sure. people That's with red hair weird. have a higher tolerance for pain and spicy food. So my hair is natural and I do not have either one of those things. I can tell you right now. And they think that, well, there was rumors that that's because people with red hair don't have a soul. But it's more likely <laughs> due to a variation in the gene MCR1, which produces red hair. That is known as the soul gene, if I recall correctly. <laughs> right. Right. The soul gene. <laughs> so it's actually uh, due to the MCR1 gene, which produces red hair and also restricts melanin, which is why most redheads are pale, pale-skinned. And so it's it's probably a good thing that they can take uh, the pain because the gene also makes them less responsive to anesthetics that are injected in their skin. So is this a cool or a creepy feature knowing that red hair gives Before these we answer that question, yeah. you say, Shelley, that these not being receptive to pain and tolerance of spicy foods don't apply to you. Do they I apply have- to to either of the other two redheads yes, that we we're that's talking to. That. So I have a high tolerance for pain and I like spicy food. Very good. Uh, okay. Same here, Beth. <laughs> well, okay. I punched Peggy in the face and she didn't react at all. And I have I have been with Shelly before when she's had a oh, strange boy. reaction to the minimalist, minimal injury in the you world. You don't know how it hurt me. You don't have my body. That it's twisting true, the ankle off was, the curb hurt. It was weird. It was weird. I was like, wow, she's overreacting. So she's zero, got no pain tolerance. Zero pain tolerance. I'm the first to admit it. Zero. And she does not like spicy food. And I I actually had a fight with my dentist over Novocaine once. About, you wanted more? 
I needed more. And he was like, no. And I, so I faxed him when I got back to my office, I faxed him an article about why redheads need more pain medication. Wow. I I don't understand that. If you're impervious to pain, why do you need more medication? Because you have, you, you don't feel the, the numbing agent doesn't work as well. I don't know. It's just another factor. So it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. So it hurt, you know, what he was doing hurt so badly that I wanted to be numbed, but I needed so much more More. anesthesia to numb me. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's that's what I do have. I do have that part of it. Do you have, uh, you need more anesthesia to numb you? I don't know. Cause I haven't had any procedures, any dental work that you, I mean, when they, they do to... actually, when they did, so I did have some skin cancer back to your point about being pale. And I know she was sort of surprised at how well I read, like what she was doing didn't bother me or phase me. Mm, okay. Like they numbed that local area, but I haven't had a filling in years and I've never had surgeries. So I don't really know. Do you, is it, Shelly, isn't there something about more redheads needing more pain medicine? Isn't there something? It's not necessarily yeah. pain tolerance. Well, they have a high pain tolerance, but they also they need re- more anal- um, anesthetics. Anesthesia. Drug, yeah. Yeah, Anesthesia. To, yeah. Yeah. To numb it, numb, to get numb so they don't feel the, the pain. I know it's a funny oxymoron, but that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's that's. I guess that's what I I should have been more precise with my. In other words, comment. what Shelley said. <laughs> <laughs> now, are either of the other two redheads left-handed? No. Sadly, no. I wish. I. I wish. I wish. So congratulations. I am. Beth. So it's one of those weird. Like when you're talking about, you know, we're missing a soul. I remember in. <laughs> 10th grade English class, the teacher pointing out that left-handed people and people with red hair were often, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was too. like, oh, good. Two for. Yeah. I had that too, left-handed. I, I'm left-handed and I did get that. Yeah, a lot. It's like, oh, you're on this size. You're the you are, uh, you are very unusual, Beth. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> she is very unusual. <laughs> hey, own it. Wait, so the takeaway is I say cool. Cool. Jim? Yeah, I think it's cool. I'd say anything that Peggy and Beth have in common is cool. Okay, very good. That's nice. How politically correct. So, Beth and Peggy, do you ever use um, (laughs) products on your eyelashes to make them thicker and fuller and longer? I do. I tried tried for a while that stuff that you use, but it irritated my eyes, so I quit. Okay. I'm thinking we should do a whole episode about what it's like to be a redhead. Well, this has nothing to do with being redhead. I've moved on. If you happen to be born (laughs) with a mutation known as, how would I say this? Dystochiasis. Dystochiasis. You have more eyelashes than the normal individuals. So this is a dominant trait and it causes two full rows of eyelashes to grow on each lid. Wait. My gosh! I'm what, looking at my eyelids right what now. Famous actress had this mutation. Uh, I got it. The woman who was married to uh, 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 Angelina Jolie. Nope. Damn it, John. As always on all of our quiz episodes, answers first and wrong. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? What famous actress has, has two, two eyelashes? Had two, two rows, rows of eyelashes. Of eyelashes. So she had this um, mutation. Is it like a? Can you give a us more of a hint? Is it like a recent actress who's known for her stunning eyes? Elizabeth Taylor. Yep. Oh, nice, Beth. Beth, that did you look amazing. that up on your phone? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> this is why we only do the quiz episodes when we're all in the same room. Yeah. So there's no cheating. <laughs> so do you guys think that's cool or creepy? Which is cool that Elizabeth Taylor has double no, eyelashes. No, that anybody like to the fact that people can have two, two, two full rows of eyelashes. Cool, I say cool. I I say cool. 
I say super cool. Pay for that. Beth, However, cool, individuals uncool. that have that. Oh, Beth, go ahead. Sorry, I thought you said. And now I want to go Google a picture of Elizabeth Taylor because I never <laughs> noticed it before. But I think if you were like sitting next to somebody and you saw they had this double row of eyelashes, it would be creepy. Uh, I think sometimes when I see girls and I can tell that they have fake eyelashes on, then it looks creepy. But I wonder how yeah. good hers looked because they were natural. Like they're right. just on the lid, whereas some of these are just like attached on top that don't quite look smooth. Is that male and female? Yeah, it's a dominant gene. Meaning it doesn't matter. It could apply to men or women. Yes, correct. Okay. Sorry. Yep. Just to be Sorry. Clear. All right. I don't know what that means. Sorry. <laughs> a dominant trait is it goes to males or females. Got yep. it. I didn't know that. Okay. So the, the downside of this gene is that it can also cause corneal scratching and has been linked to Damn other kind of less alluring conditions like swollen limbs and varicose veins that result what? from lymphedema or swelling. So you take oh, the good man. with the bad. You got to suffer to be Are beautiful. Are we supposed to say whether varicose veins are cool or creepy? Are we supposed to vote on that one? <laughs> no. Those are creepy, man. One. They're so weird. <laughs> Actually, I've always been attracted to women with varicose veins, but that's If you've got story. a bad, they're kind of weird. They're like big old purple worms. <laughs> is that medical talk as a trained nurse? No. Is that um, worms? No. I have them. I'll show you my legs next time. Purple worms. That was that movie with Prince in it, right? <laughs> yeah. I have them, Shelly. I totally do. So does my mom. You have spider veins. That's I have different. those too. Keep spider on your mind. We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Remember? Do you guys remember Teaser. the movie Unbreakable that had Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson in it? No, I do. Okay. Yeah. Shockingly, uh, I do remember that movie, by the way. That would be surprising that I would remember what was, a movie. What was the movie about, Jim? So it was Quick, about a, um, a person who basically was completely impervious to pain. Bruce to pain? Willis's character. Okay. I remember. To pain okay. and could, couldn't be injured or something. Couldn't something. be injured. Oh, that's what I was waiting yeah. for. And then so, they made a, a sequel to it called Glass, as I recall, which I did not see. Ah, uh, okay. So, yes, that, that movie was, was about... I believe it was the second feature by M. Night Shyamalan, or however you pronounce Ugh, his list. Glass. I'm not a big fan up. of his. Not a big fan. Neither am I. Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson were actually on opposite ends of the bone density spectrum. One had bones that would not break, and the other one had bones that would break. And so this is based break on... A, easily, you meant. Easily. All, all of us have bones that will break. Is that well, much that? more easily, yes. yes. So this is based on a gene known as the low-density lipoprotein receptor-related protein 5, uh, LRP5, which and controls bone density. you can't learn anything by listening to this <laughs> podcast, ladies <laughs> So it causes degenerative diseases like osteoporosis, you know, brittle bones, fragile. But uh -huh. when this gene is jacked up, it can increase bone density to the point that it's unbreakable. And there was a case of cool. a boy in, somewhere in the Midwest that was in a horrible car accident and walked away from it without so much as a fractured finger. And that prompted wow. doctors and scientists to examine his family. And they discovered that no one in his family had ever broken a a bone, including a 93-year-old grandparent. Wow. So that sounds interesting because, but possible people can go through life without breaking their bones, but they discovered that they had this gene um, and it was unbreakable bone condition. And some people also sadly exhibit bone protruding growths on the roof of their mouth. So it comes with the good and it comes with the bad. Is this cool or is this creepy? to be have right. bones that would never ever break it's cool to me hey more wolverine for everybody i kind of think it's i'm kind of torn on this one i think the thing about <laughs> having the growth and then you can say which way you feel because <laughs> <laughs> you get the growth on the, the top of your mouth yeah the growth on the top of your mouth kind of tip it over to the creepy for me Jesus. So <laughs> I can't imagine what you think of somebody with like a missing a limb. You know, and then we have you ever Jeez. heard of this other uh, this disease about it's called like osteogenesis blah blah blah. It, imperfecta. And, yeah, imperfecta and the your bone just breaks cuz you hit it against the wall or because you tap Super too fragile. hard when you're brushing your teeth. I think I'd that's, rather have the unbreakable bones yeah, than the ones that break exactly. easily. But, so yeah, when you think I'm about saying. it that way, I think that 
the the one that you're talking about is cool versus that one. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to go with cool. Okay. Beth? Beth, what does Peggy really think? Yeah. <laughs> well, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking about that your example of the kid who was in the car accident. So I'm wondering what now I want to go down the rabbit hole of like, other stories about people who have this and do they do does it make them do riskier things cuz they don't have to worry about breaking bones? Like if they knew like, in advance that they had this gene that protected yeah. them. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. That's a good point. So does that mean uh. you can't get a um you can still get a concussion, right? You just can't fracture your skull. Sure, I would think so. Sure. That's tissue, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's not bone, that's tissue. Because a concussion isn't a fracture, it's just a shaking your brain up. Yeah. Correct. You could still get a concussion. Yeah. So you could still get that's a pretty serious injury to get from violent physical Yeah. Yeah, but we're talking about broken bones, so. No, 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 I'm yeah, sorry. I, I, I was, just, yeah. I was asking a question so I could formulate my answer. Got yeah, it. I, I would think, say, but I think it's, it's an important point because if you climb El Capitan and just think, I'm just going to, if I fall, I'll be fine. You're uh, right. You know, you're like, <laughs> you're <laughs> like skydiving. Just because your bones uh, won't break. Was, you could go pierce skydiving, your liver. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, the thing you worry about when you're skydiving is like breaking all your bones, or at least that's what I would worry about. Isn't there... A movie like this where we've seen... Yes, it's called Unbreakable. We were just talking <laughs> No, something that was a bit more I know you don't mainstream. actually listen to the episodes of the podcast, <laughs> but can you listen to them while we're recording them? Sure. Okay. <laughs> sure. Starting now. I don't know, Peggy. It's a good question. Starting now, I'll listen. Whoa. <laughs> Who hasn't voted? Is this cool? Jim? John? Jim. I voted. It's cool. I think it's cool. cool. That's cool already. Yeah. And Jim, yeah. you were I'll, formulating. I'll say, uh, I, I guess cool. Cool. Relatively cool. Okay. Yeah. Not fun. I mean, I could cool, easily, but I could easily tell cool. I could tell the story differently and, and, and all of us would say creepy, right? It's more about how we tell the story it than is. about the actual I'm gene. Because I'm sure the gene has a downside that is easily like you could blow up and tell a horror story from. Well, those are the protruding growths on the roof of your mouth. <laughs> yeah, That's well, the downside pretty, to this gene. The growth isn't necessarily the protruding growths. Growths on the roof of my mouth if I didn't ever have to worry about breaking a bone. Yeah. Then we go back to CRISPR. I mean, so I think the trade-off Give me the unbreakable good. bone, but take the protruding growth part out of the gene. Right, <laughs> right, right. Okay, so I'm fairly confident you guys are all very familiar with the South Koreans glow-in-the-dark cats, right? <laughs> no. <You've read> a- <laughs> no. I have to say not. <laughs> Have I you been dipping so. into the Jameson again there, Shelly? <laughs> no, no, I've been home alone too long. So these cats are genetically and not modified. not dipping into the Jameson, sure, no, sure. We I believe haven't. that. Yeah. So they're gen- genetically modified cats with fluorescent pigment in their skin that causes them to glow red under ultraviolet light. And researchers clone them and they're successfully carrying this fluorescent gene to the next generation of kitty clones. So for better or worse, it looks like genetic engineering is is here, but it begs the question, is this going too far? Like, what is the purpose of fluorescent cats? And what is the purpose of cats? Hey, hey, hey. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now he doesn't fight. (laughs) So I kind of have a question. So, uh, you know, what what is the purpose of this? And then do you find this cool or creepy? Well, the the first question is a scientific question that I don't feel qualified to answer. (laughs) I mean, I I imagine that if scientists are doing it, that they have something they're investigating and they have a they have a theory that they're. I mean, isn't there just the way they're hypothesis. testing the heritability of these in of these uh, altered genes? In other words, once yeah. you altered the gene, will it be heritable? Isn't that the basic yes. purpose of this? Yes, and I okay. think I think the g- basic premise they proved that if they inject it into this g- into the parent, it gets passed down to the next generation. Right. So it, it so whether the question it is, continues should they keep doing it, and because people now think it's cool to have these like cats that light up or whatever it is. Yeah, to have this unique cat as a pet that I have a glow-in-the-dark cat. You have cats. What would you think about that? You're the most qualified to answer this one, Shelley. I think it's cool, actually, um, because I kind of want to know where my cat is when I get up and go in the, to the bathroom in the middle of the night so I don't kick him. 
And if he glo- <laughs> if he would glow in the dark, although I wouldn't have a UV light in my bedroom, I could see him. Well, there's your problem. You need a UV light in your bedroom. For a lot Everybody of needs a UV light, light in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, yes. What if you want to develop photographs? Um, I don't think you well, need UV for that. Let it's me a ask, red light. Can I modify the question? Light. Sure. The dog yeah. people. What would you think about you know yeah. dogs that lit up in the dark? Yeah, I don't need my dogs to glow in the dark. I think it's weird. It's creepy. I think if, you know, back to John's point about like all the good things that CRISPR could do and diseases we could get rid of, like why anyone spent one second trying to figure out how to make a cat glow in the dark. I'm sort of stuck there. And right. I, I'm, with, I'm with Beth on that one. Well, That's basically but, but, where I am. But John also said it must, if if scientists are researching it, it must be for a good reason or I can't remember what you said, but that's how well, you started this. I just presume this. they have a hypothesis they're researching. But no, that's what's trying I think to sometimes pay attention, people, so we should give no, her credit people for that. Just want to do <laughs> things. Just people just want to do stuff to see if they can do it. If it so works. That's okay. I, yeah. But it, but I thought Shelley started this whole thing saying that there were some scientists who did it. Well, and then then, then they did it. So I'm with Beth, well, of course, as everybody's not surprised. <laughs> um, it's creepy. And as a dog owner, I don't need my dogs to glow in the dark. Okay. Well, I want to modify my creepy position. I mean, I agree with Beth, but I don't think the whole thing is creepy. I mean, I'm like, if, you know, if this is some, I don't know, harmless. I, somebody told me somewhere that pretty soon high school kids in chemistry class are going to be able to do CRISPR. And they're going to be able to like, it's that simple. And it's like going to be something that's just going to be a lab in high school chemistry starting in a few years. Who if that's the case, this, and this is a, some Who? project Who is the that source kids, of this information? I, I've heard it in several places. The, the point being that the technology is not super complicated. It's it's a it's a fairly it's a it's a fairly I mean it's it's a major discovery. But I this, think, but I don't believe that's hilarious. It's, I don't the point being, true. it's not very complicated, <laughs> and anybody can do it in a high school classroom. <laughs> I don't know. Is that not true? I don't. I, I don't. I think would give so. that the same credence as the reports of widespread fraud in the recent election. I'll I look think at, it's right, about well, I'll the look same. That, but I'm pretty sure I heard that somewhere. But my point is, I think that there are probably people out there. There are probably people out there who are just doing fun things, and they have. If they're, as we discussed in one earlier episode about space, if people are spending private money doing it, I don't care. I mean, I don't care if I'm walking down the street and I see a glowing cat. I'll be like weird, but I won't. I don't necessarily. I'm not, I'm not like freaked out. Like, oh my god, the end. Of, it's Frankenstein. We're playing God. I I can let go of that. Yeah, but you also would not be interested at all in touching that cat. Well, I don't like touching cats generally. I'm not a cat well, person. Well, you'd be like, I'm not touching that cat. It's glowing. I don't okay. touch cats because I'm assuming they want to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to eat you. What if we made lions glow in the dark? Wouldn't that be like a safety thing? What if we made Trump glow in the dark? Well, uh, does, we're, this is not a politician. Political sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. Resist. So <laughs> I told you we'd come back to spiders. So spiders, and we've been waiting so long. I know. That. So spiders, when they make their web, they have this it's silk and it produces, it has a million different uses and we're finding more every day. And it, this silk has incredible strength in relation to its size. And it's been, a lot of research been, has been done to use it in bulletproof vests, artificial tendons, bandages, computer chips, fiber optic cables for surgery, but harvesting bad guys. We all saw Spider-Man. I know this is where I'm going, but harvesting enough of this silk requires tens of thousands of spiders and you have to wait for them to produce this silk. And also spiders tend to eat other spiders that are in their territory. So you can't really farm them at the level that you would like say bees. Unless they're really big, like in, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So do you find it cool or creepy that we're using spider silk for all these different uses or has the potential to be? This is a multi-part cool, cool and cool. creepy. Cool. 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 I'm, I'm cool. cool. Yeah. I'm all cool. I'm cool. All cool. Okay. Everybody thinks it's cool. Because of the harvesting limitations with Five these spiders. Five little Fonzies here. We're all cool. <laughs> the researchers hey. are now turning to goats. Because uh, that can improve the harvesting, the, the, the speed of it. And so there's a researcher a at the University of Wyoming who's isolated the gene that produces dragline silk. It's one of the strongest silks that spiders make. 
And he's putting it into goats. When they anchor their webs, yes. Then he spliced the genes with the genes used by goats to produce milk, mated that goat, and confirmed that three of the seven baby goats retained the silk-producing gene. So that what they can like shoot spider webs out of their mouths. <laughs> Guess how they webs how they get the web. Oh, that's okay. That's the payoff. Uh, they have to make them. They have to milk them. Yes. So now they milk the goats and filter out the spider silk, get and then out. go off and fight crime with the genius. Spider. Absolute it's genius. That cool is so creepy. Cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who doesn't think that's cool? John, you, you play hard to get so well. <laughs> no, it's definitely cool. It's also a little creepy. It sounds like science fiction movies kind of stuff. Um, it's real. University of Wyoming. <laughs> well, they could be doing worse things to the goats. That's yes. my feeling. I so. guess the people who would be opposed to that are like the people who like, you know, genetically modified organisms people. And I just, you know, I, I have very little patience for it. <laughs> I just because I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, but it ends up just being kind of a reactionary rejection of change and, and progress. We get to the controversial part of our show where John takes out after all the GMO, anti-GMO. people. Here's one that will get into the GMO. Wait a minute. Do we hear from Peggy? Oh, I thought we did. No? Yeah, I think it's fine. I'm fine with that. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> she she's, she gives us her blessing to do no, this. she's playing Scrabble. <laughs> oh, she is? Is she really? Okay, well, we're going to move oh, on to no, the G- GMO. I'm not playing Scrabble. I'm trying to talk less so Shelly can talk more. I think that's a line from Hamilton. Okay, I'll shut up. That, that um, was totally aimed at me. So Indian researchers published their research for creating a strain of bananas that inoculates people against hepatitis B. So we're all waiting around for a vaccine for COVID-19, SARS. But when we really <laughs> should be eating bananas is what yes, you're trying to say. Yes, for hepatitis B anyway. And they've successfully altered carrots, lettuce, potatoes, and tobacco to carry the vaccine. But bananas have been the most reliable transport system. The way that this works is they have a weakened version of the virus or the, or the germ, and it's injected into the person. Um, and it's not strong enough to make you sick but it's just enough to kick their body's production of antibodies into effect and then protecting them in, wow. when a full case of the version of the virus tries to enter their system. Amazing. That's how all vaccines work, more or less, no? Yeah, except they don't do it through DNA. <laughs> by, by a food, also. Yeah, they don't give food. you a food. Right, right, yeah. right. There's a whole bunch of things they don't do. <laughs> I get the vaccination by eating a banana or getting a shot. I'm, yeah. I'm eating bananas, my cool friend. Cool or creepy? Cool. Cool. Less shots, more bananas. What's the What's the issue here? Cool. Well, I hate bananas, so I, I'm... Really? You don't like bananas? I didn't know oh, that. No, no. What, what other fruits don't you like? I'm not a huge fruit person. Really? I did not know that. They're so good for you. So I think this next one is going to be pretty interesting, and, and I'm anxious to hear Egg, uh, Peggy's comments. So there are some studies going on. Triple word score. That if you um, have cancer, you might eventually be able to be cured by eating more eggs. But not just any eggs. Eggs from chickens that have been modified with human genes. So there are British researchers that have developed chickens infused with human DNA that contains protein that can fight skin cancer. I love it. It's when cool. the, yeah, that's wild. Um, I want to hear more about that, so I'm going to give it a cool. Okay, so I'll tell you a little <laughs> bit more. So when the chickens lay their eggs, half of the normal protein that makes up that egg white will instead contain the drug proteins that are used against cancer. And those drugs can then be isolated and given to patients. And the idea is that manufacturing the drugs this way will be cheaper and more efficient without the use of expensive bioreactors that industry yeah. standards require right now. Can you cook the eggs and get the same effect? Or it, I guess it's I guess it's in the DNA. So even if you cook it, you can make a, like a nice a nice omelet and also not get cancer. Yeah. 
eating the right I eggs. I love it. Who so like the problem is that some people have raised the question that whether the chickens used to produce these drugs would be classified as a medical equipment rather than animals <laughs> and allowing them to get around animal right laws and FDA and all of that. So, But this was done in Britain and it was by so wait, British where research. Do they get the where do they get the human, the human part of it? I don't know. The article didn't say. Blood? They just get them from, from humans. Or? No, they're genes. They're modified human genes. Oh, they see. So they just they make them. Yeah. No, they extract for some DNA from somebody. Yeah. I know, but what from what from our blood from human blood? Yes, human what DNA blood? that contains DNA. proteins <laughs> that can fight cancer. So they know, they know the so humans. People have been sneaking into your house late at night, taking your blood and using. So did I volunteer? To... I voluntarily gave my blood for this research. They'd have to test it to see if you contain the proteins that fight skin cancer. Hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So I, I remember something like 98. We have we humans and bananas share 98 percent of our I DNA. I think it's human and like other that. animals. I don't think it's bananas. No, no, no. Yeah, I heard a banana. I heard I a banana. I don't think it's bananas. No. It's other animals. It's, it's not, but no. all living things. Okay. Right. Well, no. anyway, not all living much, things. So that was that was that was chickens. And human genes. So let's move on to Peggy's other favorite, which would be cows. So there are scientists in China that have spliced human genes into more than 200 cows in an attempt to make them produce human breast milk. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so this creepy. Can <laughs> can apply to John, who's a little baby, as well as Peggy, who likes cows. So... It works, and according to the researchers, all 200 cows are now producing milk identical to the milk produced by a lactating human mother. So the, I find the, that go ahead. creepy. I mean, just buy it on the black market from the moms <laughs> who are selling it. Why make that the cows like do it? Sounds like a better solution. Yes, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why is so, that? What's wrong with that? But there's a lot of places that uh, countries that are having lots of babies that can't buy milk right. on the black market. Right. But they do no, have right. cows. No. Okay. If breast milk is a good thing, which I'm given to understand that it is, why isn't being able to produce more of it a good thing? Well, I learned on Call the Midwife that uh, breast milk <laughs> is important not only because of its breast milk, but also because it allows the mother to bond with the baby. The bonding and it gets that. well. That's uh, the breastfeeding. So you're part, not going to get John. that if that's you're, if you're sticking your yeah. Right. I got that's that. what I'm saying. Milk. That's what I'm saying, Peg. I'm on is your this side not this true one. that there are some women who have trouble producing sufficient amounts of, of breast milk? There is, there, and there's it's true. And there's some people who don't like it and who don't like breastfeeding. I, yep. And and then there's people like John and Ted who didn't have a lactating breast. Yep. Uh, Much as we so, tried. <laughs> but I don't, I just don't, I don't know. I guess I would need to see more information about it. Is it really the equivalent? Is it really the same? It said identical to the milk produced by the lactating mother. Because uh, there, are, there are a lot of babies that drink way, way, way too much cow's milk and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. wind up anemic don't. and wind up in yep. the hospital at very early ages, but those are sort of parents that are uneducated. But this isn't cow's um, milk. This is human milk. Right. Produced in a cow. I know. I know. So my argument would be that that would be better for them, but it's probably expensive. Um, so they <laughs> probably wouldn't get it still. But just have to uh, stop produced... watching cable television. <laughs> you know, those babies, those babies who don't get breast milk need formula. They don't need mm -hmm. cow's milk. No, no, for um, sure. We agree. Right. Wouldn't, so, if they could augment breast milk from mothers with breast milk produced in this form, wouldn't that even be better than giving them formula? Assuming it is identical to, human I presume breast it's milk. true. But I think that there is a certain portion of the the reason breast milk is valuable from the mother is because of other things that are produced, like antibodies and such. And I'm not sure does the cow produce that, or is it literally like you know? I mean, how well, much of it is if you just take what Shelley said, the chemical face DNA value, milk that it's versus the identical. other stuff? Then I would presume it does do that. But how could a so a cow would also have it has the gene, it has the human gene. Yeah, but that's but that's for the milk, not for the other stuff that comes with the, the immune milk. Um, 
well, benefits it's contained in the milk. Right. Yeah. Right. It would. I would have to dig into it more to know about yeah, the too. immune part. But, but I mean, when they say it's, it's identical, cool. yeah. Yeah. So I'm going right. to pay attention and, to time. Go ahead, Peggy. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and a lot of times it's the very initial stuff that comes from the breast milk, the cl- cl- clostridium or whatever it's called. Colostrum. Colostrum. That's the stuff that the babies really need. I don't know. Does Beth have a, any? Beth, do you have a comment? Yeah, I started out with it was really creepy, but I also, you know, I know people did couldn't produce enough milk for their child or children and how stressed out they were about it. And they didn't go on the black market and buy milk that I know <laughs> of, but it, it, it does, all the studies seem to show that if you can use breast milk, it's better. Um, so I think it's interesting. They came up with this solution, but I'm still, I guess I just don't know if we know enough about what, other things could happen when you start splicing these genes and where it could go. And I don't know if I, if I had a kid, if I would give my kid this breast milk from a cow. I mean, if I I, had a kid and I did that and all of a sudden my kid had all these black and white spots and started (laughs) moving, I I might be super excited because I do love cows. Um, Think of it this way. Now there would be a cool new baby shower present to give people. Here's your cow. Yes. So I, and I'll just do a sidebar that both me and my brother were both uh, formula babies and. And that explains a lot. So far, so good. Like, you know, we don't have horrible allergies. We don't have gut issues. We don't have. So it's some of it's just luck. Yep. Or what about agree. psychological effects of being formula fed? We, we I'm always have. concerned with these genes, with the, the changing the cow's genes thing that there may be side effects we're not aware of, in which case I would very quickly turn from thinking this is cool to thinking it's creepy. So that's, and obviously if my child has brown spots and moves, that would be one of them. Obviously, obviously all knowledge is provisional. We learn more as we go on and things that we think work, we turn out don't work as well as they did, or in some cases they work better than all knowledge is provisional. We just have to go on what we know best. Wow, this is well, the first time I've heard Jim kind of say that the experts might be wrong. No, I didn't. We That's don't not know what yet. I said. That's exactly not what I said. <laughs> I said all knowledge is provisional, not experts right. might be wrong. Provisional, sure, provisional. It's provisional. Facts are provisional. But everything is provisional, John. There's no uh, such thing as I, knowledge I'm, that's not provisional. You don't have to persuade me. Preach okay. to the choir. But that has nothing to do with expertise. <laughs> I'm going to do one more. That's an argument, we're... in fact, for why <laughs> experts should be listened to. But go ahead. Um, uh, all knowledge is provisional, but some people's ignorance is constant. <laughs> I just started watching season four of The Crown. I love Ooh, that Wow, show. you got the early jump on that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, love it. I love that I do show. Love Once around, I'm yes. on yeah. episode three. So, wow. you it's know, in royalty, treat. there was a lot of inbreeding. And we know usually a lot of inbreeding doesn't end well. And it's probably not the best thing to marry a close relative. So Charles II, who was the king of Spain in the late 1600s, was inbred. Charles was the only surviving son of Mariana of Austria and Philip IV of Spain, who was 56 years old at the time of his son's birth. So for political reasons, the marriages between Spain and Austrian Habsburg were common. Philip and Mariana were uncle and niece, making Charles their great nephew and first cousin once removed separately. And if you ever look at Charles II on Wikipedia or wherever, you'll see that he has a very unusual phenotype. He's kind of funny looking. And he was called El Hesado. I can't, uh, I don't speak Spanish, so I just butchered that. Spell but it. really, it tr- H- H-E-C-H-I-Z-A-D-O. Echado. Echado. You don't pronounce uh, the H. In that or the, be- the Bewitched. 
is what that means. He had numerous medical conditions, but most notably, he had what they called the Habsburg jaw, which is this disfiguring genetic disorder where the lower jaw outgrows the upper and it results in this really extended chin and a crossbite. So it's just a super exaggerated jaw. And this is a you can see this in humans and animals as a result of inbreeding. So that's that part of it. But strangely, (laughs) when you breed two inbred individuals from different families together, the offspring will show a level of physical fitness well above either parent and sometimes more than the general population. And this is known as heterotosis or hybrid vigor. And for an inbred individual to survive, they must have some valuable traits to offset those detrimental ones that they got from the inbreeding. And an individual who has been inbred from different families will have a different set of genes. So that's why it's important to to inbreed two from different families. Well, then you're not inbreeding. You're outbreeding two people who were inbred, to be clear, right? Yeah, that would be fair. The cross will benefit from the good dominant traits and hide those negative recessive traits. And this also explains the current trend for crossbreeding purebred dogs like the dogs that Peggy owns. So is this cool or creepy to inbred individuals from different families to select for a specific trait? So, so just to be clear that I understand the question, you are saying we should take people who have been inbred and breed them outside their respective families to other people have also been inbred. Is that the question? Yes. First of all, let me go on record saying I think that we should not have inbreeding. That's creepy, and it's also really bad for a lot of reasons. But I suppose if, if these people exist already, even though we're against it, is it cool to, I mean, I guess, do, I, we certainly don't want them to continue to inbreed, do we? Well, that's the question. What's the alternative? Is it for them to continue to inbreed, for them to just, their line to die? So I'm, I'm in agreement somewhat with Jim in that I feel like um, inbreeding in general is creepy, but I will say in regards to the past and royalty, I think it's pretty cool. Wait, 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 because they did it makes it cool. (laughs) Yes, they did it. And there's so many people who have survived and there's so many people who have held important positions and they were, a lot of them were weird and there was a lot of weird stuff like Queen Victoria hemophilia. Millions of people to die and they caused Mm -hmm. a lot of wars and human suffering. And all the cousins who were married. (laughs) Yeah, it's really cool. So it's cool with royalty. But (laughs) all those wars were cool, (laughs) man. You're such a monarchist. Uh, Yeah, it's cool in the past. Anti-monarchist. Cool in the past. It's cool in the past. And it's cool when it worked out because a lot of people, it was just fine. Cousins with, who married with, and reproduced with, and didn't have any I'm with problems. I'm peg on this. Yeah, I don't but get it. But now I'm not. I think it's creepy. Yeah, I don't get it. Okay. I have a question. I thought inbreeding was only bad after. I thought it was it was like increasingly bad when it went on generation after generation. Not necessarily one a one off was a horror story. I mean, it could be, but the odds were much more much more. more you inbreed, the worse it is. There's no question. Okay, that's that. what yes. I thought. Right. So, right. So, I mean. Yeah, that's it. so. I guess I'm not. It's it's cool. It's all cool. I mean, it's cool. It, diversity is great. Beth, do you have any profound thoughts on inbreeding? <laughs> um, I'm against it. I guess like is it still? We all know it went on during you know the royal families and the trying to build nations and keep alliances and you know the the whole idea that you know there were different classes of people and so you could only you know of course your cousin was going to be better than some commoner. I guess, but. Is it still going on? I guess that's my question. Like, why? Well, the remnants of it are still going on, I think, for sure, in yes. the sense that that I'll... women still generally take the names of their husband when they get married. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are on that, but it's well, it has nothing to do with the subject whatsoever, Mr. Hines. No, 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 can no. I, no. Can I speak? The whole system of the royalty passing along and passing on and marrying the right people was to keep power around, and it was about 
it, and it was no, you know, it was it's based about, on the it, myth of royal women blood. Were not but I mean, the reality is, although property. we can't prove this, the suspicion is that uh, everybody was more or less inbreeding because at the time it wasn't exactly like you know you could go out and meet a lot of people. So only the people like close by and those people were relatively inbred to begin with. And so there was a lot of inbreeding going on back in the, you're talking you know, about non royalties for yes. non for regular people. Right. Sure. Of course. Well, and I'd like to just say that uh, as somebody who works in a children's hospital, mm, there's a lot of it. inbreeding that yeah. still oh, really? goes on. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The Amish community, they're all related. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they have a lot of medical problems. Um, their children have a lot of medical problems. So yeah, it's it's still and also, very prevalent. Let's be honest. There's some families where some of the male members of the family do bad things that cause inbreeding. Yes. Well, yep. that's what I'm saying. Is I think it's usually the men who are doing it. That's kind of what I'm saying. The remnants of this are around. But I mean, I remember my favorite Tina Fey episode of Thirty Rock was the one where she was making fun of all those northeastern uh, inbred people it was the most it was one of the funniest i don't i mean it's like the only 30 rock episode i remember and it was hilarious and she was just not mocking, too well apparently but um mocking inbred mocking inbreeding all right so uh, this has been super fun and shelly i'm sure you have more so I do. maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do a part two but we got to wrap it up for the no, sake of time no we don't we got to do recommendations first I, i'm doing it jim okay just all right. All right. relax all right. control freak all right well, i thought shelly so was going to do the recommendations and you were going to wrap it up but i'm sorry you, uh, you asked, so anyway i am bringing it to a close and i'm asking uh like we always do we end our episodes with a recommendation segment. So, Jim, why don't you go first? I will. I'm going to recommend the sketch show called The Baroness Von Sketch Show, which is written and performed by four very talented Canadian individuals who all happen to be women. The show is currently in its fifth and what I understand to be its final season showing in the United States on the independent film channel IFC. I believe it streams on some service, but I'm not sure exactly which. But they're funny and they're smart and they're very talented. So I recommend the Baroness Fun Sketch Show. All right, fun. So Beth, as a, a special guest, and hopefully we're going to have more of you on the podcast and a fellow ginger. Um, why don't you go next? <laughs> um, so. I recommend a book that Jim actually loaned me, um, the latest book by Tana French. And I haven't gotten very far into it, but she's just such a wonderful writer. And, you know, it's one of those things where you just keep turning the pages and you don't want to put it down. And all of a sudden it's one o'clock in the morning. So um, she's pulled me in again. What's the book title? Jim, what's the book title? The Searcher. The Searcher? The Searcher. Okay. Okay. And who's it by? Sorry, I'm writing it down now. Anna Tana French. French. Okay. See, sorry. Jim, I was listening. Tana French. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. John, you're next. Uh, so my recommendation, I'm taking a uh, page out of Jim's book. My recommendation, I actually thought of ahead of time, and it relates to this topic. I guess I kind of alluded to it earlier in this episode. But if for those of you who don't know who Kara Swisher is, she's a member of my tribe. And she uh, she has a new podcast. She's she's bounced between being a reporter and interviewer on for the Wall Street Journal, Vox, and New York Times, and now she has a new podcast called Sway in the New York Times. But there's a specific episode. Her, Sway, her first episode S-W-A-Y. with Nancy Pelosi. Sway S W A Y S W A Y yeah, and her and she has one episode called "Should You Choose Your Baby's Eye Color," which is a bad title because I, to me it suggests that Kara thinks she needs to dumb down her titles and maybe her content for like ignorant masses. But it's a really sophisticated episode about about DNA, and, and it's with Dr. Jennifer Doudna. It's the it's the who, oh, cool. who we referred to earlier, who's the co-winner of the 2020 Nobel Prize in Chemistry for genome editing. She is. It was she her and this woman's enthusiasm is totally in infectious and sh- you can't listen to this and not be excited about what's possible in the future. So if you just, it's just one episode, but I think it's a really good interview uh, and hearing directly from the Nobel prize winners, not through their speech, but through in a, in a interview format is really, really nice. Um, I'll go next. And I'm going to say that uh, I recommend recently with the uh, resurgence of 
cold weather and I have my cholesterol through the roof, I've decided to cook a little bit more healthy and I got out my old Moosewood cookbook. And it's originally from the 70s and I sort of have a reboot from the 80s and I just made some borscht tonight and some split pea soup the other night and I'm going to recommend the Moosewood cookbook. Is Moosewood one word? Yes. Yes. It's a great cookbook. And now you make me want to go pull mine out and start cooking from Mm. it again. There you go. Excellent. Already one of your recommendations is taking hold, Peg. Is Moosewood a thing? It's a restaurant in Ithaca. And I'll bet you can buy a copy on Amazon. Ah, very nice. nice. Check the show notes. Very nice. (laughs) So my recommendation is the book American Dirt by Janine Cummings. Uh, No no relation. relation. No relation. And she doesn't have a G at the end. And this is an excellent book about a woman escaping Acapulco and the drug world down there. She had a nice life in a owned a bookstore, had a kid, and her husband was a reporter and wrote a story that was not kindly to this drug lord, but has a lot of other stories going on. But So it's about her and her son's travel out of Acapulco into the U.S. and the trials and tribulations that they have to go to to flee to survive. May I ask a question, Shelley? Yes. Is this a fiction or nonfiction? It's a novel. Yeah. Okay. It's so, so good. Thought, it's fiction. When you said I The Great Alone last time, The Great Alone, I thought that was a nonfiction book the way you described it, but it's a fiction book, right? It's fiction. Yeah. No, I highly so Beth recommend has it. Read it. Yeah. It's very and I've good. read wow, it. Wow. Beth coming in yeah. with the secondary recommendations. <laughs> wow. And, and Peggy I'm, too. I'm coming in with a tertiary. Yeah. I yeah. liked it too. Oh, tertiary. Good yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Thank you. Love the All right. Here. I think that's it. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank, special thanks to Beth for joining us. And as I alluded to earlier, I think you'll be uh, hearing more from Beth. Shelly, thanks for all your prep. Um, and special thanks to um, Ted Enley for our music and Craig Mullins for our... Justin, Justin Mullins. Justin, but- Justin. <laughs> And his friend Gail, by the way. (laughs) Gail and Craig are brothers and sisters. (laughs) Justin Mullins. I knew it when I said it. I love you, Peggy. I love you. She's for it. And to all our 12 listeners who've become 20. And one of whom really has a thing for Shelly, obviously. (laughs) Maybe not after this When I first saw the thing about your voice, I thought it was Will that was writing you, but I guess it wasn't Will. It wasn't Will, no. So please um, send us a voice review or write us a review on uh, any format you you can find us. We're on iTunes. We're and if you're on into redheads, Twitter. You we're on. Be listening to this podcast. <laughs> no Jim, do you want to? Jim, do you want to do the closing? No, I don't. I just want do to. Do you hear me you talking, or do you? Are you just, I just talking want to heckle anyway you while you're doing it, Peg? Is what yeah. All right. So I'm just going to end it here because it's too distracting to have other people talking while I'm trying to do a closeout. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>